Welcome into episode 141 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin. And the Bruins defeated the Colorado Avalanche 4-0 last night in Denver. Now, if the Bruins played the Avalanche with the Avalanche not at full strength last week, um, last night, I guess, would have been more of a preseason, not even a preseason lineup for, for Colorado. Nonetheless, uh, if you're the Bruins, you can't control your schedule. You certainly can't control the health of your opponent. So all they can focus on is the task at hand. And, you know, definitely a sluggish first period for both teams was kind of boring hockey for the first 20. I think travel and maybe some altitude changes could have played a part in that. But um, from the second period on, guys, the Bruins, they really took care of business up and down the lineup. Yeah, they did. And that's, you know, exactly what you needed to do, to your point. Like, so last week, the Avs, we know, didn't have Nishushkin, didn't have Landeskog, didn't have Bo Byram. Well, this week, they also don't have Atari Lekkinen and Nathan McKinnon. Um, Lekkinen got hurt in that game in Boston last week. And McKinnon got hurt over the weekend and is going to miss about a month. Um, so it kind of stinks. These these are the only two games that the Bruins have that in this regular season against the defending cup champs. And with how well they're playing, you would have loved to have seen them, you know, really get to test themselves against the defending champs at full strength, but didn't get that. So instead you get a game against a, a clearly weaker opponent and it just turns into a game where you're supposed to take care of business um, much like Friday night's game in Arizona will be. And that's what the Bruins did. Uh, like you said, started off a little bit slow, but then, you know, second period, they doubled up the avalanche and shots, took a two nothing lead, add on two more in the third. They only gave up five shots to the avalanche in the third period. Like there was no chance of a comeback there. They, you know, clamped down added to their lead and and come away with a comf- comfortable four nothing victory and you know I'm sure we're gonna dive plenty into the third line but they were they're were really the stars two goals for Taylor Hall another for Trent Frederick um two of those goals were were full line goals with with everyone involved all mm-hmm. three guys picking up picking up points um so another another great game for them and yeah just a you know kind of a take care of business night yeah, that that third line was really, really good. Um, that that line once again kind of added the spark. Um, Hall, like the first goal Hall had was just almost like he barely had to do anything because Coyle made uh, like forced a turnover and made this incredible move to just you know get around his defender and just slide it over for a tap in by Hall. Um, and like you mentioned, the Frederick goal was just. Um, that another really hardworking shift. It started with Hall got a chance on that. Then they get the face off and then they had to like fight for the puck at the face off and they were able to win that battle and then, um, set up Frederick for, for that shot. But that line just looked really, really good. And and it, it does, I mean, it has a lot to do with the size of that line and just the energy of that line, but also really, really helps that Trent Frederick is finally um, able to find his way to contribute and fit in there. Yeah. I mean, we can see game by game. We see Trent Frederick, like I said, last episode, he's, he's figuring out how to play the, play this game at the NHL level not just play it, but, you know, kind of excel in it. Um, You know, there's so many things with his game that, jumps off the page like his 
his skating game has improved so much. Uh, his skating game with the puck on his stick, more importantly, has also improved. Um, his decision-making is decisive. He knows what to do without the puck on his stick. He's getting open. He's getting to areas. He's forechecking. And also, he's trusting his release. He's trusting his shot and, and you know, his uh, his instincts out there. He just didn't do any of this in the, in the past. Uh, he didn't even really show signs of this in the last couple of years. i got to be honest. Like, going into this year, I expected nothing out of Trent Frederick. I thought he was a, I thought he was a, a finished project that just wasn't going to be in a uh, – an A or B in this league. And uh, he's proved me wrong, and, and I'll admit that. And uh, I'm glad to say it because uh, he's 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 playing like somebody who can pop in 20 goals for this team this year. Um, I guess I can pull it up briefly, but I, it's just uh, – it's something I, I didn't expect at all. And um, and and who, who would have thought – yeah, so Frederick has six goals, six goals, five assists, 11 points. Is that updated? I don't know, but yeah, I think so. That sounds right. But yeah, I mean, this combination of Frederick Hall and Coyle is something, like I said, it wasn't on any of our bingo cards going into the year. And they're just, they're playing like the type of line that, that um, you, you, you need in, in the playoffs as a, as a, as a cup contender, every cup contender has that type of third line, like Scott's alluded to in the past. And, and also, they're doing so and it's not it's they're not taking away from Taylor Hall's offense. Like I said, it's almost uh it's almost kind of freed him up because he's the guy on that line. And you know, there's no there's no arguing the uh the chemistry that they that those three have right now. And it's interesting based on Coyle and Hall not having that chemistry initially last year and and, and Hall said as much last night in a post game interview with Sophia, but um what a de- what a development this has been. Yeah, and, and Hall is the second leading goal scorer on the team. Yeah, and, so he's right behind. He's right like there's Pasternak with 18, and there's Hall with 11. And even even in total points too, Hall it goes everybody on the first line, and then Hall right right below them, um, with I believe 19 points or 20 points in, in the season. So um, he's having a great year, and part of that was you know on the second line, but he's just kept it going. Um, once he ended up on the third line and on the second power play unit, um, he's been able to contribute both, both ways. Yeah. If anything, this move has really like allowed him to take his game to another level. He just, so in the last four games, since Frederick came back from, um, a minor injury, he missed two games. Hall has five goals and two assists in those four games. Uh, and Frederick has three goals and two assists. And uh, Hall, after the game last night, said, like, basically, you know, playing with, with Coyle and Frederick allows him to have more time on the puck that, you know, with Krejci and Possum at times, you know, he said there's only one puck out there. And, um, you know, you kind of get the sense that maybe he felt like he needed to, um, you know, get the puck to them and not hang on to it as much. But now he kind of knows, like he's he's the guy that everyone on that line wants to have the puck, and you know Frederick, it, he's been good away from the puck. He's been good just you know forechecking, freeing up the puck for for his linemates to get. And then you have Hall and Coyle who can both hold on to it, protect it, make things happen. Uh, you see it on on that Frederick goal where Coyle's just holding on, holding on, and then. You know, Hall gets into open space as an outlet for him. 
and coil pokes the puck over to him. Um, this line, they're not like they're not just producing at a rate that's good for a third line. Like they're producing like one of the best lines in the league. I had this um, in my column uh, this morning, but since they've they've been together, they're av- they've outscored opponents six to one when they've been on the ice. Outshot them twenty six to eleven. 68.8% expected goals. They're scoring 8.89 goals per 60 minutes, which is the best for any line in the NHL that's played at least 30 minutes together. Like, it's it's crazy what they're doing. Um, and, you know, we've talked about the top two lines, you know, being good, but maybe you want to see a little bit more 5-on-5 five five offense. And it's like, I still think that that's going to come. I think, you know, we've seen some signs in recent games, but... Until then, you have a third line that's producing like a first line. So you're not, you know, like this is what they haven't had for for years, at least since 2019, where, okay, if the, you know, one or two of your top lines are a little quieter, not necessarily playing poorly, but just a little quieter, do you have a third line that can kind of pick up some of the slack? And right now, Hall, Coyle, and Frederick, they're doing more than just picking up the slack like they're they're driving the offense right now and it's um you know that won't continue all season but i think as long as they're together i think they will be at the very least a very good third line yeah and it's uh it's it's an absolute nightmare of a of a matchup for opponents like and and you can see you can see hall and coil like i mean coil is had a lot of assignments against other teams, third lines and third D pairs, I guess, over the last few years. But um, you can just see, like, if Taylor Hall catches a defenseman flat-footed, you know, he's he's taking advantage of it down on the left-wing side. And also, like, you know, I just think that when it comes to playing with Coyle and Frederick, like you kind of mentioned, guys, like, they play a more meat-and-potatoes, simple style of play. And that's not to say that there's no skill involved there. There is, but again, sometimes less is more. And when you think of Taylor Hall's game, he's, he's a, he's a straight line player. Like he, he, he's North South, you know, he, he, he doesn't often cut across the ice. And honestly, I don't really want him to, because sometimes that's when you can get your head taken off. But, um, you know, Pasternak and, and Krejci, they're, you know, obviously Pasternak is a, he's an, you know, an all world player, but, I wouldn't call their games necessarily, especially together. I wouldn't call their games simple. Um, it's very creative and it could be hit or miss, but I just think, yeah, I just think it, it's benefiting Hall to kind of play a simpler style of play. And as, as mentioned earlier, just kind of be the guy. And, you know, you, you combine that with, with everything that Charlie Coyle is bringing to the table this year and his skill set and, and Trent Frederick's um, development and, and growing confidence. It's a, uh, yeah, it's not. It's you're right, Scott. They're not playing like a third line. Uh, I think the best way for the Bruins to look at these lines is don't label your line, because uh, if you, I mean, if you're, because not one line is loaded um, with three guys, right? Like the you got you got Bergeron and Marchand together, and DeBrus. Now DeBrus is a good little player, but nobody would mistake him for you know the level of, of Marchand and Bergeron. You have you have Krejci and Pasternak and, and Zaka um, again. You have Krejci and Pasternak and Zaka is kind of you know the the odd man out as far as the 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 name recognition, and then Coyle and Hall on the third line and Frederick. So it's just like 
the lines are just there's a great balance of these lines right now. And 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 also, guys, if you notice, Jim Montgomery has gone. He he he's changed up these lines a lot this year, especially in game. And what I'm noticing is that I think it's by design because every single game I noticed the Bruins at one point or another, they switch things up based on situation of the game or how the team is playing. And because everybody's gotten a chance to play with each other now, he can they can do that, you know, at, at the snap of a finger and and nobody's missing a beat like. If, if, if Hall has to go up with Krejci and Pashnak for a shift, no issue. If Zaka has to go with Bergeron and Martian, no issue. If DeBrusque has to, it just, and I, and I think that's really good to have. Um, that's, you know, over the course of a season and in the playoffs, like everybody's comfortable with each other and you have your set lines going into a game and what what you want to accomplish. But it's, I think that's a really, really unique thing that the Bruins have. And, and you can only really do that if you have the depth to do it. Yeah, and, and you're able to, like, he's been able to try it out. We mentioned it's been a luxury for the team on a win streak to be able to just kind of, like, try out. But you're right. If you need to change something during the game, like against Vegas, he needed to go back to the perfection line. And, you know, that if you got to do that, you got to move DeBrusque either onto the second or third line, and they did. Um, and it allows for just a different matchup depending on your opponent. So yeah, it, it definitely in the long run, the fact that they've worked things out at this point in the season is going to help. I have another one last thought on the third line. Um, Charlie Coyle has always been a pass first guy. So like when you put him with Taylor Hall, it's not surprising that, you know, Coyle has become such a great setup guy for Hall. Um, in, even in the past, there's been times where you're, Coyle has been criticized for not shooting because he always is like he's being unselfish, but maybe making a pass when he should be shooting instead. So they found a way to make that like use that characteristic of Coyle and make it work where, you know, Hall might be the beneficiary of most of those passes, but Coyle's perfectly happy playing that style of game. Yeah. And, um, you know, Hall's been a little bit criticized for that at times too, you know, passing a little too much, passing up shots. So it's, it's, I think they both have to, you know, kind of adjust their mindset a little bit. I talked, I actually talked to Coyle about this like last week um, about, you know, the two of them sort of naturally having a pass first mindset. And he was like, yeah, it's more, you know, yes, like we have to be aware that we have to take shots when we get it, but it's also like if we're creating, good enough opportunities through the work we're doing, then, you know, those, those opportunities become obvious, right? Like the the Bruins are clearly a team that's playing more for quality over quantity when it comes to shots this year. That's been a big, a big part of Montgomery's approach. And I think when you're doing that, it becomes easier to know when to shoot. Whereas like last year or, you know, under Cassidy, when it was more, Hey, like there, there's no such thing as a bad shot. Like just get it to the net. You know, guys, I think felt like we kind of get caught in between sometimes where it was like, all right, well, I kind of feel like we could create something better, but that, that, you know, just shoot, just get rid of it is kind of drilled into your head. And now they have some freedom to try to get that better opportunity and, you know, not just settle for, a shot from the, from the dot or something. Um, and look at some point, that's probably going to lead to 
some overpassing. Uh, you know, we saw that with Tomas Nosek in one of those games recently. Like, it, you'll see some of that where it's like, oh, okay, like that's a shot you shouldn't have passed up. So you'll have to live with some of that. But I think it also, they're working to get the best quality chance possible. Um, so I think, you know, kind of lends itself to an approach of like, they're going to know it when they see it. Like they're going to know when they've done the work to get the quality chance and not be caught in between of like, well, should I just shoot it now? Um, and that's also where Frederick now having more confidence in his shot factors in, which we've now seen him scored two one-timer goals from the high slot in the last three games. And it's like, I feel like there's been very few times during his career where we've seen him have that kind of confidence in his shot. And I think he's always had a, a pretty solid shot. Like, you know, look, he's not David Pasternak, but I think it's always been something that you kind of wish he would use more. And now if he has line mates telling him, like, we want you to use it, and he has a coach telling him, we want you to use it, and they're doing the work to create good looks for him, like, you know, now he sees a couple go in, it's his confidence is only going to keep going up, and he's going to, you know, be more willing to take the, those shots when they're there. I also think, sorry, um, on Frederick, I think playing with two players as mature as Hall and Coyle are also helps because I just feel like both of them are really good playmakers, but they're also really intelligent hockey players and mature hockey players. And I've always got this sense of Frederick that he almost is like, he is just very like youthful and kind of like maybe ignorant to certain things. Um, and that maybe playing with two guys like um, that have been very encouraging to him. Like if you watch behind the B, like you'll hear Coyle um, and him having some conversations um, and just, I think it's just a, a, a good place for him to be in terms of how, um, you know, they, they communicate as a line as well. Yeah, there was another scene in the behind the B where he was on the bench with with Taylor Hall after uh, his goal against Colorado, or his second goal against Colorado last week, and uh, you know the one timer from the slot um, on like a two on one with Hall, and he he said to Hall he was like, "That's the nicest goal I've ever scored in the NHL," and you can kind of just see Hall laughing. He's he's like, "What?" He's like, "Or that that's the coolest goal?" Because I mean it was a nice goal, but you know obviously Taylor Hall has uh, seen and done a lot a lot in, in over his career for a little one timer, but you know but. But you know he was happy for for Frederick. You could tell, and, and you know he was he was happy to see Trent developing and, and gaining confidence and and you know and, and being able to be a part of that. And uh, you know that last part that Scott was mentioning, like it's it's one thing to have teammates and coaches telling you to shoot and this and that, but uh, until you see them go in, that's when the real believability starts. And you know now on that line and this goes across all lines um again this is this is the great balance that the bruins have struck with these combinations every single line now has a has a player who's capable of scoring from the outside and not just in tight um like you know like look at the first line right now uh how many how many goals have we seen jake debrus score in his five six year bruins career where you know he lets a shot go from from the top of the circles and score Probably could probably count it on one hand, and they were all probably back in the day. And that's not to say Jake isn't play, like Jake's playing fine. I'm just saying most of DeBrusque's goals come from in tight. Same with Bergeron. Um, Marshan obviously on that line has the has the skill set to snap one off 
from outside the dots, and he's done that over the course of his career. So there's that long-distance threat there. Second line, obviously, David Pasternak can score from, you know, the, the nosebleeds if he wants to. And then on the, on the third line, uh, Taylor Hall and Charlie Coyle, they don't, they don't, like I said, they don't score many wrist shots or snapshots or slap shots from, from distance. Um, a lot of their goals come from in tight. But now with Trent Frederick, he's starting to show that, okay, he can be one of those longer range scorers now if he's put in the right position and gets his shot off. And, and you're right, Scott, he, he, Trent does have a, have a good shot. I remember when, uh, when he first was kind of breaking in with the Bruins, I was like researching him and his time at Wisconsin. And there was a, there was a YouTube video with him and his Wisconsin teammates. Um, you know, it was just a stupid, like, I think they played like a game of horse or pig or something that the, the school put out a video, but, uh, it was like, it was like a POV type of thing where like the camera was like right behind him on the ice. And like, you could see his release and he was just taking wrist shots and snapshots. And I was like, oh, there's a lot of power behind that shot, but we never saw that at this level. Cause one reason or another, and I remember commenting, commenting to you guys over the summer, I think we were kind of breaking down Frederick and, you know, talking about expectations for him or something and it was kind of just non-existent and that one of the reasons i was saying was like i just i never see him score a hockey goal you know similar to felino like last year like any goals frederick scored it was just kind of like you know a net mount scramble or off a shin pad um now obviously i knew nick felino had done it in the past it was just a matter of last year talking about him but but trent frederick uh he's no he's scoring hockey goals now and he's and he's looking good doing it so like i like we've talked about the bruins have struck in a, a phenomenal balance with these lines and each line can, can score in a multitude of ways and give teams different threats to look at. To tie that, to tie that thought about, you know, we, we brought this up maybe last week, but we said, you know, Craig Smith, just to tie it back to him, because he used to be playing on that third line last year um, for a lot of the year. And he's kind of lost his spot um, to Frederick. And we were like, well, you know, maybe there is still a spot for Smith. Maybe he ends up cracking the lineup if, if, you know, Frederick's slumping or, or, or what have you, but that doesn't look like it's happening. Um, at least not right now. So like that, that limits your options with Smith and you can put him on the fourth line where he was playing last night. Um, but you also have, you know, Greer as an option there. So at some point it just still feels like Smith is the odd man out because not that Smith play, has he didn't play terrible last night, but I still think Greer has a different upside and different skill set. So um, I feel like you kind of have redundancy at this point with Smith and Greer. I guess if you have the cap space for both of them, you don't have to move him. But it just feels like there's there's becoming less and less of a window for him to really grab a full time spot. Yeah, I mean. Like there's going to be an injury at some point that's going to get him back into the lineup for five, ten, however many games straight. Um, you just know that's going to happen, which is why managing the cap as as well as they did and being able to hang on to to some of that depth um, and not have to trade it away is so critical. Because you know, like yeah, you do also have you know a, a Lauko, a, a Mark McLaughlin. Um, maybe you know johnny beecher like down in providence but craig smith is you know a proven nhler and even though he's having a down year like i think for the most part recently he's done pretty well when he's gotten in um when frederick was out when he missed those two games 
Smith was the one playing with, with Coyle and Hall in that third line. And I, you know, I thought he played pretty well. I thought that line was having six, you know, not quite the success they've had the last few games, um, you know, scoring multiple goals a night, but I thought they were playing pretty well, um, even with Smith there. So having that depth is great. And, you know, I think him versus Greer, like, some of it will come down to matchups. Obviously, when they want, uh, you know, a, a heavier forward in there, some physicality, and maybe someone who you know can drop the gloves, they're going to go with Greer. If, you know, maybe if they're thinking of it as a little bit more of a finesse game or they want, you know, someone who's a little more shoot first on that line, then you can go with Smith. But it's it's a great problem to have. Like, you know, not any team would kill to have Craig Smith as their 13th forward, which is to your point, Bridger, like that's the role he's settled into for now. And I'm sure he's not thrilled about it. He wants to be playing every night. And I'm sure when he, he wants, you know, to be higher than the fourth line when he is in there, but Hey, like the, this is where he is. This is, you know, the team that he's on and he's on a team that has a chance to win a Stanley cup, something he hasn't done in his career. So, uh, you know, I think that's, that makes it easier for, for these depth guys who, aren't playing as much as they'd like, you know, when Anton Strahlman was around, obviously, you know, he's kind of in limbo right now still, but, you know, not playing every night was a new thing for him as well. But he was, he said like, it, it is a little easier to, to deal with that when the team's winning and you're part of, you know, a team that you truly believe has a chance to win the cup. And so I think Smith can still look at that bigger picture and be like, okay, even though this isn't, quite what I want on an every night basis. Um, you know, the chance to win the cup is still something I want to do in my career. So he'll, you know, he'll stick it out. And like I said, there will be a stretch where he gets in because they're not going to go through the season completely healthy at forward from, from here on out. So he'll, he'll play more at some point and, you know, he'll get an opportunity to show that he deserves to stick even, even after that. And essentially like most teams in that, like, if you, if you think about it, like most teams would need to pull from their AHL affiliate, but the Bruins have this extra guy that they, that they can trust that they don't even have to go down to Providence and pull someone that's, you know, lesser, not proven NHL guy into their lineup. So once again, they just seem to have this luxury of depth, um, which once again, when you have your first and second line centers tied up with, you know, just extremely team-friendly deals you have a lot more flexibility 